So what is barefaced stories? <clears throat> Testing one, two, right. So hi. So this is my true story. Barefaced Stories is a show that me and my best mate put together. That's me, Andrew yeah. Gibbs. Kerry Sullivan. I honestly don't even know how to end this story. <laughs> like... Now we thought to ourselves, how can a couple of lesbos make a baby on the cheap? Here's my name and number. I think you're beautiful. <laughs> they say the clitoris is hard to find, but here it was, turning up in a suburban board game <laughs> in Glasgow in 2011. And then Stephen Fry says, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening. And the show begins. Welcome to Bareface Stories. I'm Kerry O'Sullivan. And I'm Andrea Gibbs. During family Christmas last year, I caught myself looking around at my family, wondering, are we normal? Is this normal? Just sitting here, barely talking to each other, bellies full with lunch. Is this what other families are doing right now? I bet there's other families that are having way more fun than us. That's what I thought. Well, the answer is that no, the Gibbs are not normal. <laughs> and I think from the outside, though, with social media and Instagram and all that kind of stuff, other people's lives can appear oh so rosy and perfect. And the beauty of barefaced stories, for me anyway, is that we can take a peek into other people's lives. And for a moment, imagine living in someone else's shoes. And sometimes those shoes don't exactly fit. But other times, a lot of the time, you're like, these shoes are exactly the same as mine. And you realise maybe, just maybe, no one's family is picture perfect. Our first barefaced storyteller for this week is Josh McGee. Um, I always thought I had the perfect family. Well, I assumed I did. Uh, it was me and my brother and my mum and my dad and we lived in this beautiful house. Could have been an ad for a Dulux and a Colourbond commercial combined. Um, and uh, it, was, it was great. The only thing missing from my little perfect picture of childhood was a dog. I never had a dog. Um, and I was obsessed with animals and I just always wanted a compa- an animal companion, you know, like... Lassie or Free Willy or Dunstan from Dunstan checks in. And, um, but I never got one. Mum always said no. Dad, I think, secretly wanted one. Um, I never got on that well with my dad. And um, the thing that we connected on most was animals. I remember going to the zoo with him. We went whale watching. And uh, I got the birds and the bees talk from him uh, (laughs) during David Attenborough. And... um, so one night, um, my, my brother's graduated high school and uh, he sits us both down and he, uh, he tells us he's been having an affair, um, which was a huge shock. Uh, and he basically admitted that he'd been seeing this woman, was going to go and live with her and um, had basically been waiting for us to get out of high school to tell us and uh, had actually been having affairs um, while we were kids. So we basically sort of cut him off after that. Um, anyway, 2010, it's December, it's about a week before Christmas. Mum can't afford the mortgage on the dream house anymore, so we've sold it to this family of nine brethren people, and it's very strange. Living in you know my house and and I'm now living in this rundown crappy student house and uh, haven't spoken to my dad for God knows how long. Probably the last time was just asking for money or something. Um, 
I'm not in a great place. I've just been through a breakup. I've just found out I have to repeat a year of uni. I come home one night from this bad film screening in this guy's living room and uh, it's, it's all about loneliness. And um, I, I get home and I just have this big ball of stress from just shit in my life. And uh, so I decided to go for a run, to just trying to run it all out. And it's, um, it's very melodramatic. I, I run out and run down the street and just sort of lie down in the grass in the middle of this playing field and look up at the stars and just think, why me? And, and uh, I suddenly hear this panting behind me. And I turn around and in the moonlight behind me, there's just this beautiful golden retriever. And he's just sitting there, he's all wet and his hair's all dreadlocked and he's scratched out of his collar and, and there's no one around, like it's midnight, so there's no one who could be walking him or anything. But he's very friendly and he's very well behaved and, and I give him a pat and I just sort of end up patting and playing with his dog for like 20 minutes and my stress just absolves. Anyway, suddenly he hears something in the bushes and he just bolts off. And he's not coming back, so I'm just like, well, I'll go home. I feel better now. I get home and I realise this little doggy has followed me all the way. And uh, I'm thinking, well, surely there's, some, surely there's some family, you know, worried about their beloved pet. But, you know, he's obviously been out on his own for a long time. So I, uh, I let him in the house and I wake up my housemate and we cook up this food for him. <laughs> and... Um, he suddenly freaks out in this new house and he, he bolts off into the living room and I go and look for him. And um, I, I find him hiding under the Christmas tree among all the presents and all the tinsel and um, something in my mind just clicks and I just regress completely into childhood and I just go crazy. It's just like my childhood is complete and perfect again and... And I'm just running around the lounge room playing with someone else's wet dog. <laughs> and uh, we're taking photos and we decide, we decide to call him... Uh, <laughs> we decide to call him Blaze. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just great. And I suddenly have this feeling that I just want my dad to be there and just see this animal which I know he'd love. And so I, uh, I send him a text and I just say, you know, Merry Christmas, love you. And um, I call him a few days later from that and we sort of patch things up now. Anyway, the, the sad end of the story is we called the pound the next day and um, I was expecting, you know, the, this lovely family to be missing this dog terribly and, and the ranger actually told us he always picks up this dog and his, his owners are just these scumbags who go away over east and leave him alone for months and months and... He always escapes, so he ended up going and living with them. Um, he had a, a, a brother, another dog with him, which made me feel a bit better. But uh, actually, a couple of weeks ago, I saw him being walked by his dirtbag owner. And he was a dirtbag. <laughs> and uh, I just hoped that Blaze was able to forgive, too. <laughs> Thanks. That was Josh McGee, and I'm going to go straight home to cuddle my dog and phone my dad. Oh, 
Our next story comes from a guy that used to be our door butch at Bareface Stories. <laughs> door butch is the technical term. You know, there's door bitch and there's door butch if you've got a dude. If you'd like to complain, you can send your emails to info at bareface.com.au. Yeah, we're bad feminists. We had known Ian for years, right, uh, but we had no idea he was sitting on this great story until on one particular night he decided to jump up on stage and tell it as one of our wild cards. Totally unplanned. This is Ian Sinclair. Hi. Um, so what I'm going to tell you about tonight is the... My parents' last meal together before it's they kind of destroyed their marriage. <laughs> um, so basically, <laughs> um, we were living in this like weatherboard house in Pinjara, and it was this tiny, tiny little place, and you could hear every little thing that was going on, and it was the most painful thing ever. And um, my parents would. I was about 10 or 11 at the time, and my parents would have these epic fights. Like, my mum would put me to bed and kind of be like, love you, baby, kiss you goodnight. And then, sure enough, like 10 minutes later, there would just be this giant, massive, like, World War Three sound of them screaming back and forth at one another. And it was like, I could sit in my bedroom and I could hear them move around the house. Like, they'd start off in the bathroom and they'd go into the dining room and they'd always... I always knew the fight was ending because they'd end up in the kitchen and that was their favourite place to, like, have the big epic final battle because that means they could just throw whatever they wanted at each other. There were, like, plates and forks and you could just hear clang, 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 clang. And, like, I'd get up in the morning and everything would be spotless and no one would say anything. Um... And it kind of continued like this for months and months and months and um, it got worse and worse and the room started to shake more and more and I used to have these like little like glow-in-the-dark stars on, <laughs> on my roof and like they were eventually so dislodged that they'd just start falling down around me after a while. And I remember I, I had this picture of like... Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I used to like look at that poster and be like Sarah Michelle Gellar come and save me <laughs> um, and so anyway it got worse and worse as my mum's from Africa from Zimbabwe and her family were coming over um, to stay and they were going to have this big kind of um, dinner and both sides of the family going to be there and it was this big deal and for some reason, my parents just stopped talking to each other. Like, they stopped communicating. The fight stopped happening. And it was I was getting sleep and it was fine, but I should have known it was the calm before the storm. And um, one day, my dad picked me up from school and he had this big kind of red ute. And I used to love this ute because I used to think it was the biggest thing ever. And I would, like, kind of try and scramble up there and my dad would, like, pick me up and chuck me in. And we would drive home and we kind of lived just a bit out in the country. And we were driving along and my dad had this thing where like about half an hour before home he'd crack open a beer and he'd do, it was like a game he'd play with me and see how many he could drink before he got home. And of course now I know better but at the time I thought it was really awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and we were driving along and he was on his third beer and all of a sudden there was like a and this thing like rolled across the windscreen. And at first, Dad thought it was like a kangaroo or something. He told me to stay in the car. And then he came back and was like, um, come on out and have a look. And there was a red cloud kelpie, like a dog, and it was there. And I remember so distinctly that it was the first time I'd kind of 
seen like death or something die, kind of did that like running thing that dogs do when they're like, like a bit like this. And then it just stopped. And he picked it up and he put it in the back and it had a collar but it didn't have any tags. And so we sort of talked about it on the way home. He cracked open another beer and I was like, what are you going to do with the dog? And he's like, oh, I'll bury it in the backyard. It will be fine. And so we got home and mum was at home and they both discovered that neither one of them had bought any meat because they weren't talking to each other. They hadn't communicated. So dad went out and he was so mad. Again, the fighting continued, but... He went out and he came back and it was fine. Everyone came over, my grandma, everyone was there. And it was a really good night. Like, I don't know, it was lots of fun. People were laughing and everything. Um, and my cousins weren't so mean to me, which was like stranger still. And um, dad kind of presented this big kangaroo kind of meal. And it was like, oh, welcome to Australia. And they were like, oh, Skippy at first. And then they... <laughs> started eating it and it was fine and at the time I didn't eat any of the meal because I was just obsessed with chips and that's all I could you could feed me um so I just had all these potato chips just constantly <laughs> um and at the end of the night my dad had gotten progressively drunker and at, they were at, my mom and dad were at opposite ends of the table and then they were ended up sitting next to each other and I was like oh wow that's nice like things are going okay and he got up at the end of the meal and he kind of began this big speech and said, it's so nice that, you know, two countries can come together and, like, did a whole waltzing Matilda thing. And then at the end, he was like, oh, and by the way, this isn't kangaroo, this is dog. You've actually been eating dog and then progressed to tell the story about hitting the dog and everything like that. And the table fell, like, silent. And my dad just started laughing, like, non-stop laughing. He thought it was the funniest thing ever. He was, like, red in the face. He had this big, massive beard. I was like, ah, 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 And I looked over, and I saw my mum. And she just was, like, so white and so angular. Like, the whole world had been sucked out of her. And it was that first moment I was like, huh, my dad's kind of crazy. <laughs> And then, without saying anything, she picked up the carving fork and she, threw, <laughs> she picked it up and she rammed it into the side of his leg and he kind of fell backwards and there was just kind of like a pool of blood that kind of spurted out of there. And we literally, everyone stood sitting around, no one was helping him, just silent at this meal, kind of like... And again, I kind of thought... Yeah, I'd have done the same thing. <laughs> so that's my story. Ian Sinclair, I just, every time I listen to that story, I am gobsmacked. I just can't believe it, but of course I believe it. You kind of want it to stop. There's a moment where you're yeah. like, is this really going to happen? No no, no, no. Can you rewind? Yeah. Like, this is not going to happen in an actual story. They're not going to eat the dog. Again, send your complaints to info at barefaced.com.au. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I love those times in your childhood when you start to realise that your parents are kind of not who you thought they were. Well, this next story is all about that. Tensions run high in families when games get involved. Board games, cricket games, head games. You're not wrong. I still remember the please and thank you game of 1986. 
Look, a lot happened that night. Suffice it to say, all of the kids, I was eight, my sister was ten, we were both crying, my mother had her head buried in a Woman's Day magazine and then my dad got the camera out and there's photos of that today. My dad doesn't play cards anymore because he gets too nervous. So one, one night we made fun of him because he was taking forever to pop down a card. And we're like, Dad, what's going on? And he yeah. says, oh, 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 I'm thinking about my strategy. <laughs> like, Not a word, Jeffrey. Not a word. Strategy. <laughs> when the feeling's gone and you can't go wrong, it's, it's strategy. Strategy. <laughs> this next story is all about words. Um, so listen carefully. There's a wee accent in this one. This is Jimmy Cook. Um, so I'm not normally an intolerant person, or, or, or I try not to be. Um, but my sister's boyfriend was... Um, Well, he was an idiot. Um, Christopher was a 26-year-old man who thought there was no functional distinction between a a cupboard and a drawer. He would refer to the cutlery cupboard, as if that was a thing. I like to think that when he was... I like to think that when he was younger, he read C.S. Lewis's uh, Lion, the Witch and the chest of drawers. But I don't think he did any reading at all. One time as a, as a family, uh, we played Articulate. Now, I'm not sure if uh, you have Articulate in Australia. It's a board game. Oh, th- thanks, guys. Um, some of these people might not have played it. Um, it's, a, it's a board game where you have to explain a word without using the word itself. So if you said... Um, this is an unpopular, large-eared Australian politician, then even I would be able to make a pretty decent guess. Uh, And so that's how the game works. Christopher found it a very difficult game because he doesn't know the meanings of words. Um, uh, On one occasion, we were playing Articulate, and it was uh, Kirsty, my sister, Christopher, the boyfriend, and my mum, my dad, and my grandparents, my mum's mum and dad, uh, and me in a sort of nice celebration of how single I was. Um, Kirsty... Thanks. Um, Kirsty was in a team with Christopher. And now there's a a round in Articulate where you have to explain a word so that only the person in your team gets it and and, and no one else. Um, So normally you would um, try and think of an an in-joke, something nuanced, um, if you knew what the word nuanced meant, which Christopher didn't. Um, uh, uh, Think of a sort of nice nuanced clue that referred to a time that you shared together, maybe. So you you could say... um, you could say something like, remember that time we were at the birds and we saw uh, WTF and the first girl on talked about gum and the gum had a name and the name had a number in it. Think of the number after that number. Put three of those numbers together. That's the number of a thing. What's the thing? It's the devil. Yes, well done. <laughs> but Chris um, struggled with that. Chris had a word that he had to describe to only my sister and get her to get it without anyone else. He looked at his card and he, um, he, um, didn't add, uh, and eventually he said, well, this is a word that I wouldn't say in front of your parents, (laughs) 
which isn't nuanced or clever or witty and also fundamentally misunderstands the point of the game. Because the one thing we know for certain, with shuddering certainty, is that this word will now have to be said at some point in front of my parents. Now, my family's not normally a competitive family. Put us on a sporting field and we'll give the ball to someone else. But <laughs> give us a word game. <laughs> we love a word game. Uh, so now all of us are sitting there thinking, what words will Christopher not say in front of the assembled group of people? <laughs> Worse was my grandmother. My grandmother is five foot tall on a good day. Um, <laughs> is clinging on to her remaining hair for dear life and hasn't had her own teeth um, in a significant number of years. Um, but she was joining in with gusto. She, um, <laughs> this is how she started. She was just rattling off rapid fire genitalia. Uh, this is uh, vagina, vulva, Semen, testicles, scrotum. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. She was a sexual health nurse, so knew all of the words. She would have even known what an anterior lip was. But obviously, none of those words are going to be in a family board game like Articulate. My mother is a much wiser woman than my grandmother. You're not meant to say that, but it's true. And my mother, the wiser woman, took a different tactic. She was um, guessing words that normally have a relatively pleasant meaning, but in context. So she was saying things like dirty and, and finger. <laughs> A wise woman. None of them correct. My grandfather is not a wise woman, being neither wise nor a woman. He, um, he was a, he's a bit slower, really. He wasn't as sharp off the mark and uh, didn't know as many words, maybe didn't know as many of the sort of technical words. So I think that his only contribution was in his low, guttural, shipbuilder-type voice, just cutting through everyone else. His only contribution, anal. <laughs> Which you just don't need to hear from your own grandfather. Uh, Kirsty is looking mortified, as you would expect, and nothing is keeping my grandmother from saying more good words. <laughs> Uterus, labia, clitoris. Thanks again, grandmother. They say the clitoris is hard to find, but here it was, turning up in a suburban board game in Glasgow in 2011. Uh, again, none of those were right. They weren't likely to be the right answers. My mum is carrying on with the tactic that she had chosen. Um, so she was saying things like a ring, um, um, like shaft, and, and this one, which I, I think is beautiful, she likes chickens, which is why for her this has a double meaning. Cock normally isn't a double meaning sort of a word, but that was another one of her guesses. And at that point, my dad, who had so far stayed quiet, he had wanted no part in it. He is truly a wise person. He, he caught on to what my mum was doing. Uh, and 
was quite proud of her, I think. Like, he was like, oh, good work, Carol, that's excellent. <laughs> Another one you could have would be erection. <laughs> and if there's one thing my mother can't have... <laughs> I, though, was taking absolutely no part in it at all. I, I promise you, I looked at this ribald repartee and thought, no, thank you. Um, my sister wasn't guessing at all. She was the one who had to guess, and she was not even trying. Um, but we were stuck in this grim paradox of, we all know there's a horrible word to be said. The only way we can stop all the other horrible words being said is to say that one horrible word. And the only way to say that word is to say all of the horrible words. Um, <laughs> At this point, um, my sister looks as if she wants to cry, as if she's doubting her choice of boyfriend. Good doubts, Christy. Keep those, having those doubts. Um, and like she wants the ground to just open up and swallow her whole. Swallow, incidentally, could have been another of my mother's picks. At that point, she just looked Chris in the eye and said, Christopher, please, please, Christopher, please. Give us a clue, Chris. And he was like, oh, it's really difficult, though. <laughs> um, but then he said this, which was the crowning WT actual F moment. Um, uh, well, I suppose you could describe a cake as this. Oh, good. Okay, good work, Schopenhauer. That is, a, that is a move straight out of the top cupboard. What on earth, Christopher, are you playing at? You can't help but start working back through all the words you've already said. A dirty cake is a thing, but it's not, it's not your first choice of adjective. A labia cake does not exist. <laughs> but my sister knows her boyfriend, and she made her one guess. Christopher, is the word moist and he said yeah <laughs> yes the words moist and then like a dickhead he just said it in front of all of the family now i said my my sister's boyfriend was an idiot the man still is an idiot but thankfully he's no longer my sister's boyfriend jamie cook a special guest from Scotland. Thanks for listening, guys. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing each week on Bareface Stories, the podcast, then we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, head on over to iTunes, leave us a review, show us some love. If you are listening to the Bareface Stories podcast and you think it would be a great place to advertise your thing, this is the part where we would talk about loving your thing. Right here, enthusiastic words about your thing. Honest, meaningful words. I love that thing. That thing is so great. I wish I had it. Life would be so much easier for people who had a thing like that because it's a thing that makes life easier. Your thing right here <laughs> at bareface.com.au Bareface stories are told live on a tiny stage. In a huge state. In a massive country. Where no one can hear you scream. Or laugh. Or cry. More Bareface Stories next week. Bareface Stories live shows are put together by Andrea Gibbs and Kerry O'Sullivan and recorded by Chris Wright at the Bird in Perth's nightclub district. 
Our music is by Odette Mercy and The Soul Atomics. Our technical producer and editor is Amber Cunningham. Leave us a review on iTunes and we can keep bringing you some more fantastic stories. Mum call you one time on Skype and she was naked? Yeah, the first time. <laughs> the very first time she called me on Skype, she had no idea. That there was a camera? She had no idea that there was a, such thing as, like, video calls. <laughs> she was so excited to see my face when I, when she popped up, when I popped up on her screen. Uh, she was so excited to say, oh, there she is. It was like she saw me on TV, you know, that's what it was like. <laughs> Dad came along, he was wearing his underwear, but mum, she popped up on my screen, she was just sitting there butt naked. And it was like 8 o'clock in the morning where she was, just, you know, checking her emails in the nude before she popped off to work because she didn't realise that she could be seen by me naked. Yeah. And so I was like, Mum, look at the little video of you, the little down in the corner. Look at your little video. She was like, oh, my God, some weird porn virus is downloaded on my computer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, it's not porn. That's you. No <laughs> that guy looks like that. my husband, Jeffrey.